to 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to finish tonight what I started last Wednesday. And as you're getting there, let's also be praying tonight for David and Brianna. She is at the hospital. Her water has broke. And so we have a new member coming probably tonight. Amen. So just be praying that it will be a nice, smooth um, birth. And uh, I'll, I'll let everybody know as soon as, we, as soon as it's official. They were going to induce her tomorrow. So the good thing is that she broke her water broke tonight. So I didn't have to induce her. So uh, he'll be, uh, David's super excited. I talked to him before. I asked him yesterday, you ready to be a dad? He said, nope. <laughs> but you never are ready, right? <laughs> so Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Let's read this again. We're talking about biblical relationship qualities, things in our lives that will help us have better relationships. And we've been talking for almost a month about relationships and how important they are, how we can't get away from them, and how they're a part of our life. And so Second Peter 1, let's start in verse uh, 1. I'm going to read from 1 tonight. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Whenever I'm reading the Bible, it always excites me to think about all the thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of other believers who have lived in the last 2,000 years that we're talking about there. Amen. We're not just talking tonight about those that are saved in this country but we're talking about the last 2,000 years, people reading this. And it's just exciting to know that we're a part of something that is so alive. Amen? Uh, it says, obtained like precious. How I many know our faith, our faith is precious tonight? With us by the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. And here we go again with this word. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now remember as we read this, read on here, knowledge is experience and relationship. Okay, it's relationship. It's, it's not a head knowledge. And, and, and when you think of the word knowledge, I mentioned this last Wednesday, we, we a lot of times think of something up here, knowledge. But the, the Greek word of that translation is relationship and experience. And so it's important. I want to read what the... What the um, the Greek says, it says first-hand relationship. And I, and I talked about this last week. Too many people have a relationship with the Lord based on what their parents taught them, based on what their friends tell them, based on what they think, but they don't always have a first-hand relationship with the Lord. And we need a first-hand relationship. And it says known by experience. We come to know Jesus Christ by experience, familiarity, Awareness, understanding, information, things that are acquired by experience. And I gave the example last week just to kind of throw this out again because that's, to me, it's the most important part of who would you want to have working on your car? Who would you want? Yeah, a mechanic for sure. Definitely not a doctor. Amen. But a mechanic who has pulled an engine apart. I don't care if that mechanic has ever read a book. Amen. I don't care if he's ever read a book. But if he's taking an engine apart and put it back together time and time again, that's why I want working on my car. I'd rather have that person working on my car than someone who just got out of school and has not touched an engine yet. And I would do the same thing with a doctor. I don't care if I get a doctor who finished first in his class. I want a doctor who's already operated on somebody. Can I get an amen? So it's experience. And this is what God's talking about here in experience, okay? So knowledge, when you see that word knowledge going forward, I want you to remember what it is. So it says, in the knowledge of God and, our G and the Lord Jesus Christ, 
as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory by glory and virtue. And so and we're going to keep reading here. You're going to see these words over and over again, repeated. By which, verse 4, we have been given, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. God has such awesome promises for us. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. And look at this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5. This is what we picked up last week. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Amen. And if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge or, again, relationship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, anoint your word tonight. Thank you for bringing us here safely. Touch those that are at work. Touch those that couldn't be here, those that are sick, Father. Touch David and Brianna tonight, Lord. Anoint your, your words to our ears to be heard. Let us walk out of here with something that is going to draw us closer to you, cause us to know you greater. Father, we pray tonight that every spirit of the enemy would be destroyed, and we declare that it is, and that no weapon formed against us can prosper. And God, we thank you for a time of worship and praise. We thank you that our minds could be fixed on you and not on other people or other things or things we need to do tomorrow, Father, but that our, our minds would be fixed on your word tonight and we, our minds would be arrested tonight so that we could be subdued to your word and understand it tonight and put it into practice and have fruit in our lives. We ask these things in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said... Amen. So I want to go over a few of these things. Let's start with diligence. I'm going to give you the definition for each word, and then I'm going to give you a verse. Of course, I could have used many verses for each one. Amen. And uh, I want you to write these things down. Um, verse, number one is diligence. Diligence means careful and persistent work or effort. So if we're talking about relationships, these are words here in this Bible, in these scriptures here that he's telling us we need to have. These are qualities or characteristics in a, work, in a relationship that is working, in a relationship that is fruitful, in a relationship that is happy, in a relationship that is good. Okay, how many know that there are relationships that are not good? Okay, just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean it's a good relationship. God wants it to be good, and, and obviously an obvious part of that is when it's unequally yoked, but I'm talking about even in, in a, when it's equally yoked, a relationship is not always good. Some relationships can be toxic. Some relationships can be bad for you. Some, some friendships can be bad for you. For example, you can be in a church place and you might say, hey, they're, they go to my church, they're, they're a believer, but they, they might be somebody who, who, who brings you down. It might be somebody who, instead of lifting up your faith, tears your faith down. And so that, that, that kind of person is someone you want to try to rub off on them, but you don't want to let them rub off on you. We need to influence each other, and we're going to get into that a little bit tonight. And there's three things I want you to write down that I wrote down today that are going to kind of go along with this whole thing. Three very important parts to relationship, okay? Three things. Number one is forgive. 
We've got to forgive. We've been talking about that a lot, and it's so important because remember that the Bible says don't even come to the altar with your gift. Don't even come and don't even pray. Uh, Don't even talk to God if you have something against a brother because you're just wasting your breath. I know it's hard. I know that's harsh, but that's what the Bible says. We don't, he didn't ask us if you want to forgive. He says you must forgive. So in relationships, how many know that we have to consistently and constantly forgive each other? Consistently and constantly. And so we see this word diligence, and it says careful and persistent work, persistent work or effort. How many know forgiving somebody is work? It's effort. Somebody's done something to us. Somebody has to be the better person in a relationship. Friendship, marriage, church relationship, work relationship. If you want to have healthy relationships, you have to be the person that says, I'm going to be better in this situation. If you have a coworker that's always uh, doing, not, not doing their load, not doing their job, not, not, not doing what they should do, you, you have to say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about what they do. I'm going to do my job. If you have someone at the, at the job who's always negative, you're saying, I'm going to be the positive in this place. I'm going to be the one who looks at the glass half full instead of half empty. In a marriage, same way. In a friendship, maybe in a friendship, uh, one, one friend is, is more selfish than the other. One friend is more um, um, negative than the other. Th- these, these things are where we personally, not you, me, and you to me, same way each person individually says, I'm going to be the better person. I'm going to put the work in. I'm going to be diligent. So number one is forgive. Number two is encourage each other. Encourage each other. We need to encourage each other. Lift each other up. Number three is serve each other. Now, I could stop right there. We could pray and go home. Those three things right there. Think about it in a relationship. If we were always being diligent and conscious about, am I forgiving this person? Am I Am I encouraging this person? And am I serving this person? Now, in marriage, those three things are vital. Serving, encouraging, forgiving. Serving, encouraging, forgiving. Amen. Over and over again. And you say, man, I forgave you last week. He didn't say, say, you know, how often to forgive. Matter of fact, yes, he did. Seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. Amen. You say, I already forgave him for that. Do it again. Seventy times seven. You know, I was reading something. This, this, this isn't totally pertaining to the message, but the idea is that when you talk about Jesus and His expectations for us, somebody, I was that's what it was. I was watching this 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 man named Ravi, Ravi, Ravi Zacharias that I really like. He's he's an apologist and he's really smart. He's a he's an Indian from India and he's very very intelligent. People ask him questions all the time, and someone said, you know. Christianity doesn't line up with, with the Islamic law or doesn't line up with Judaism. It's not, it's not the same. And he said, you're wrong because what Jesus asked was even higher than any other morals. For example, he said, he says, if your brother does something to you, what does he tell the person to do? Turn the other cheek. And then he says, if, he says not only turn the other cheek, but he says, if you... If you hate your brother or don't like your brother, you have committed murder. So Jesus actually put the bar higher than any other religion. Matter of fact, he put the bar so high, we can't get to it. How many have realized that? Jesus put it so high, it's humanly impossible to do it, and that's why we have to believe in his grace. But we have to try. And so when you think about forgiveness and encouragement 
and serving one another. Those are three things I want you to think about as we go through this. So diligence, here's the verse, Proverbs 10.4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Remember, diligence is persistent work. How many know if you're trying to work on something, it's little by little? Little by little. Has anybody learned that nothing is successful overnight? No relationship is great overnight. No friendship, no marriage, no church, nothing happens overnight. It takes one day at a time. One day at a time, building blocks, one day at a time, okay? So he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, all these things tie hand. Let's go to the next one, virtue. We're just going off these, off these, uh, off this verse, uh, verses 5 through 8. Virtue. How many know virtue is important in a relationship? Maybe, maybe you hear that word and you don't exactly know what it means. That's why I'm going to give you the definition. Behavior showing high moral standards. We need that more today in the world. Behavior showing high moral standards. You know, I, I like to do this. I like to break words down because sometimes we can just read the word and kind of just pass over it. Virtue. And we may not even think about what it means or even know what it means, but he's saying here that we need to have high moral standards. Now, let me give you a couple words that will help you in that. Integrity and honesty. Integrity and honesty. We've talked about this a lot of times. Integrity in, in character is doing what's right when nobody else is looking. Honesty is telling the truth even if it hurts. Right? That's what honesty is. So how many know in a marriage, in a relationship, in a friendship, in church, everywhere we go, honesty is always the best policy. Right? Because when you tell the truth, you don't have to try to remember the lie. It's easier just to tell the truth. It's easier. Now, the circumstances or the, sorry, the consequences sometimes of honesty are not always good. But how many know that honesty is still the best policy? We must be honest. I mean, we must tell the truth. We must have character and integrity. Another word is trustworthiness. I mean, no, that's important in a relationship. Purity. Lack of corruption. And so the verse for virtue is Proverbs 11.3. You're going to see a lot of these in Proverbs. It says, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Amen? The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. How many know at the end of all that's said and done, everything's going to come out? We have to remember that. Everything's going to come out in the light. Everything, every work, everything said, everything done is going to come out. So we've got to make sure that we remember that and that everything's going to be known and, and everything's going to come to the, to, to the knowledge. God's, God sees it all. Amen? So the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Now the next one in that verse is knowledge. We already went over that, kind of spent the whole message last week on that. That's first-hand relationship. That's experience. But here's the verse. Psalms 119.66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Now, I want to I give you a quote on, on relationship, knowledge and relationship. This is, uh, I wish I would have found this quote about 
15 years ago, because I used to use this example all the time in Costa Rica, but I never heard it worded like what I'm going to read here. I would have people in our church, and it happens here too, but it would happen a lot in Costa Rica, where I wouldn't see them on a Sunday. And, and I, I, so, I, you know, or a couple Sundays would go by, and, and everybody knows that I'm always trying to see who's here and not here. And when I tell you that I missed you, I'm not telling you to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you to know that I knew you were there so that you know that I care. It's not to make you feel bad. Hey, we missed you. I want you to know that you weren't there, you know. That's all it is. And so I would, I would tell people that sometimes, and sometimes I would find out, and a lot of times it was women who were coming without their husbands or whatever, and, 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 and they would say, well, I just went to visit this other church. And, and I said, okay. And, and, and they said, I, I, and, but then some, these same people would say, but, but I, I just like to visit other churches. I just like to visit other churches. And so my thought would always be, that's not healthy because if you just go to diff- a bunch of different churches, can you imagine if you're married, if you didn't show up at home one night and your wife said, where'd you go? And you said, I just went to someone else's house. I mean, think about it. So I used to use that example, but this quote, listen to this quote. It says, on the most, because ele- a lot of people say, I don't need to go to church, right? How many know someone like that? I love God and I don't need to go to church. So here's the truth. On the most elementary level, that's true. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. On an elementary level. But you also don't have to go home to your, to, your mari- to your marriage either. Do you? But the fact is, in both cases, if you don't go home, you're not going to have a very good relationship. Right? How many see that there? So I don't have to go home tonight, but if I don't show up at home, it's going to affect my relationship with my wife. Right? And vice versa. And so I don't have to go to church but eventually, when I, if I miss church enough, it's going to affect my relationship because God ordained that we would come to church and we would build our relationship with God through people. And a lot, and a lot of times that's why people don't go to church because they say, I don't like those people, and there's a bunch of hypocrites there, amen, and, and we're all one of them, amen. We're all the hypocrites as well. So they say, I don't want to go there, but they're a hypocrite too. We're all hypocrites in some way. How many know we're hypocritical in some way? So that's an important thought. Next one, let's go to self-control, self-control. Okay, this is just, again, t- taking these, these words, and, and these are characteristics or qualities of relationship. This is a big one. This is a big one. This is one of the fruits of the Spirit. I don't have that verse tonight, but love, faith, hope, uh, self-control, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And self-control is so important because how many, how many know a lot of times we excuse ourselves and we say, I'm just weak, or I'm just not strong enough, or I just can't say no, or I just can't help myself. Or I just, we make those excuses, and self-control is something that we have, to, we have to own up to, okay? You can't hit your spouse or hit a friend and say, I just couldn't help it. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. You could help it. There's a lot of things we say. There's a lot of things we do that we need to exercise more self-control, and it's going to help us out. Let's look at this verse, James 1.19. It says, So then, my brothers, or my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, or another word of that is anger. How many know that we, if we would have more self-control, this is an important thought in relationships. How many ears do we have? How many mouths do we have? We should listen twice as much as we talk. 
That's the truth. Okay? Now let's go over those three things again. Forgive, encourage, and serve. Okay? Forgive, encourage, and serve. So then, my brethren, he says, let every man be swift to hear. So that's quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We need to listen more, talk less. Okay? We need to be good listeners. And we don't always need to respond. We've talked about that in, 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 uh, a couple of weeks back with the offenses and stuff. A lot of times we feel like we've got to get that last word in. That last word hurts us a lot of times. We'd have been better off just keeping our mouth shut. Amen? Now here's the definition of self-control. The ability, this is obvious, okay, the ability to control oneself, but particularly one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in our behavior. But this is the most important part, especially in difficult situations. That's when real, real self-control comes out, okay? So, for example, if I'm hammering something and I hit my finger instead of the nail, I need self-control to not cuss, right? To not have some word come out of my mouth that is not good because I'm in pain, okay? I have to have self-control to say, oh, that felt good, right? Something like that. Or thank you, Jesus, amen, that I could just share in your suffering just a little bit. Amen. And I've, I've got a finger right there with, right there. So I, I just did it recently. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And it was actually with the measuring tape. So like it came back real fast and snapped on me. I've never had that happen. It's always going to be something new. Forgive, encourage, serve one another. Perseverance, that's next. Let's look at perseverance. We're running through this. Perseverance. I mean, know oh, this is important in relationships. Think about all the marriages that end in divorce for lack of perseverance. Now, I'm not talking about immoral failure. We know that's a biblical reason. I'm not talking about somebody passing away. But I mean, know oh, there's a lot of divorces that end because of irreconcilable differences. They just did not persevere. Perseverance. How many friendships end because of lack of perseverance? How many, how many good jobs have we lost because of lack of perseverance? How many people have left a good church because of lack of perseverance? Amen. Perseverance is continued effort to do or achieve something. Now, if you'll notice this, there's a silver lining here. Every definition says at the end, in spite of or through difficulties. Has anybody noticed that in relationships, if relationships weren't difficult, we wouldn't have to be talking about them? We wouldn't even have to be wasting our time. But how many know relationships are difficult? Amen. Me and Pastor Paul were walking through the home church uh, after one of the services and everybody was gone and we joked about how beautiful the church was when nobody was there. How easy it was to pastor when nobody was there. When there's no people and no relationships, life is easy. We talked about, I think this in the first couple times of this series, that if, if, if we could, it would be easier just to live on our own planet or on an island. All, some people would prefer that. They would just rather not be around people at all. But God didn't give us that choice. He expects us, and that's why he says come to church, because he says, I want you to get around some of those people that rub you wrong. 
I want you to get around some of those people who are going to get on your nerves. I want you to get around some of those people who are so different from you so that you can practice all these things. Okay, you can practice these things. Put these things into practice. So continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. How many know as believers in failure in relationships, we got to keep going? Got to keep going. We don't just quit and give up because that last relationship didn't work. That last friendship didn't last. Here's a word out of that, persistence. Paul said in Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How many can remember tonight that we are pressing towards a goal? Right? We have a goal. Our goal is heaven. Our goal is to live eternally with the Lord. And if we're going to get there, we have to persevere. What What does Matthew say? He who endures till the end shall be saved. Amen? Now, this is an interesting thing, thinking about self-control and perseverance. This was another really amazing quote. I want you to think about this. What we are as the church today, okay? And when I say the church, you know that I mean the body of Christ, not just ours here in Denton, Texas, not just Victory World Outreach around the world, but the church of Christ. Listen to this. This is interesting. It says, the early church was strikingly different from the culture around it. How many know that's the truth? Okay, when the church was born in the book of Acts, it was different because, listen, the pagan society around them was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. Think about that. Okay, the pagans were very uh, stingy. They didn't want to give any money. They didn't want to help other people, and what they gave, but they gave their bodies to everybody. That's what, that's what paganism is. But then, listen to this. The church came along, it was born, and the Christians began to, to, to practically give nobody their body. I say practically because there are people that fail. Practically nobody but their body and gave practically everybody their possessions. Think about the difference there. The pagans didn't want to give any money, didn't want to help anybody, didn't want to give of themselves, but they would give their body to everything The church changed that. Now the question we have today in 2019 is where are we? Are we still the believers of the church that will give anything to other people to help, but we don't give our bodies? And you know what I mean by that. Okay, it was a sexual thing. So think about that. That's something important. That leads us into the last couple characteristic traits here, which is godliness. Godliness. Godliness is, in the definition, is conforming to the laws and the wishes of God, okay? Conforming to the laws and the wishes of God. Devout, devout. Another way of thinking this is doing relationships God's way, okay? Doing relationships God's way. Our marriages should be like God wants it. Our friendships should be like God wants it. Our relationships in church should be like God wants it. And that goes back again to those three things, forgiving, encouraging, and serving. Didn't Jesus do those three things? He forgave us when we're in our sins. He encouraged us to follow him, and he served. The Bible said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Think about that. Those three things, if you don't get anything else out of this tonight, if you'll, if you'll practice forgiving, encouraging, and serving your wife, your friends, your church members, your family, you're going to see a big difference in your relationships. You're going to see fruit. Amen? 
So think about this. Christianity is not a religion of philosophy. How many have realized that? There's a lot of philosophers out there. It is what? Relationship. Okay? It is a relationship and a lifestyle. Has anybody realized that you are now in a lifestyle? We had a lifestyle before, but now our lifestyle is different. At least it should. It's like Chris said. We shouldn't want to hang out with our old person. We should not want to, we, there, we shouldn't be having anything in common with the old person. That person should get on our nerves. We should be mad that we were ever even like that. Amen. Me and Jimmy were joking today. I told him today that, man, I, I, we, me and you would have been trouble together before we got saved. How many know that you, if you could get around somebody before you got saved and you'd be trouble with them? Thank God we're saved. You might think of somebody in this church, man, if we weren't saved, we would be in trouble. We'd be like Bonnie and Clyde. We'd be getting big trouble, making a lot of mess, amen? But thank God we have a new lifestyle, a new lifestyle, amen? It is a lifestyle that represents Christ in everything. That's why when we talk about relationships here in the church, that's why people say, you know what, we got to get right, we got to get our, you know, we're living together. We got to get married. We're, 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 we're living in sin. We got to do this. I saw a great testimony today, powerful testimony. If anybody wants to know about it, uh, I don't even know how I fell on it, but I shared it with a family member that, that deals with this and her family. It was a powerful testimony of two women who had been living together as lesbians for a long, long time. They, got, they came into a church and got saved, and God began to deal with them in their relationship. And during that time of being in church, they both wanted to get married because they loved each other. But the Holy Spirit began to deal with both of them individually. And they give this eight-minute testimony. It's so powerful. If you want me to share it with anybody that you know that may be in that lifestyle, and they, and they share how God just made it so clear that they were not supposed to get married, and then they, got, they both, they were already saved. They just weren't sanctified yet. And they both realized that they were not supposed to get married to each other. They were supposed to find a man and do it right. And then they become be- they became best friends. Now they're serving God together in the church, but they're not in that relationship anymore. Amen. They're doing it God's way. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. That's, that's powerful. Powerful. Amen. And, and, and if someone will stay in church long enough with that persistence, they will be able to get the relationships right in the eyes of God. Amen. We talked last week about uh, not being unequally yoked. Okay. That's, that's there as well. So, um, Let me finish that quote. Christianity is not a religion or a philosophy, but a relationship and a lifestyle. And the core of our lifestyle is thinking of others as we would want to think of ourselves. Amen. The Bible says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's where that forgiveness, encouragement, and serving comes in. Okay? So godliness. Finally, the last one, brotherly kindness. This is the last one that's in that verse. Um, I spent last week and the Sunday before on the unequally yoked thing and showed how, how dangerous that is, that we can graze together. I mentioned this at the home church in this revival. We can graze together. I mean, the ox and the donkey can eat from the same field because they're in the same world, but they don't yoke up together. Okay? Once they yoke up together, that's when they're in trouble. It says don't be unequally yoked, meaning don't be connected to that person who's not uh, like-minded. The final one is brotherly kindness. Mark 12, 31 says, and you shall love the Lord, you'll know this verse, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I'm going to read that again, okay, because this sums it all up. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. How many know that if we're doing that honestly, if we're putting all of our effort into loving God the right way, all of our relationships are going to work out right? If God is truly first, and then it goes on to say, this is the first commandment. Okay, we know that the Ten Commandments are tied up in two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your strength this is the first. And you shall love the Lord your God. Sorry, let's go to the next one. And you, uh, Verse 31. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. How many realize the Ten Commandments are summed up in those two? That Jesus said that. He said, if you love me as God and you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill him. If you love me with all your heart and you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit adultery. If you love me like you're supposed to and you love uh, your neighbor, you're not going to covet what they have. If you love me with all your heart and you love your neighbor, you're not going to lie to him. You see this? If you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, and, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to steal what's theirs. And it goes on and on and on to talk about these Ten Commandments. Amen. And finally, Romans 10, 12, 10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And In honor, whoever's coming to play can come up. In brotherly love, in honor, watch this, giving preference to one another. Giving preference to one another. How many know that's hard? You go first. You go first. Serving. Putting ourselves behind. Letting somebody else go first. Thinking of others more than ourselves. That's, that's not, do you realize that that is not how we're made? That's not our makeup. You have to learn to do that. We're selfish. I joke about it all the time. Go behind this wall into that nursery, and you will see selfishness. Amen. You will not see, you will not see little two-year-old infants and three-year-old babies going, hey, you play with this. I really want to, but you play with it. Here. It's not going to happen. No. What do kids say? Mine. Mine. No. Who teaches them those things? The devil. Amen. Their father. <laughs> <laughs> I know, their, fa their father the devil, not their father, their father the devil. That's what Jesus said, you're the son of the devil, amen. No, not their father, I didn't mean that, sorry, that came out wrong. <laughs> but that selfishness is there, it's automatic. Now watch this, think about this, four of the ten commandments, listen to this, deal with our relationship with God. Four of the ten commandments deal with our relationship with God, and the other six deal with our relationship with people. All ten commandments have to do with relationship. All ten commandments. Kind of important, huh? That's why these relationships and, and qualities of biblical relationships, we don't want we don't want relationship qualities of Walmart, although they might be good, right? They probably have some good stuff there. They're successful. We don't want relationship qualities of Amazon. We don't want relationship qualities of, of Starbucks. We don't want relationship qualities of some business. We want relationship qualities from the Bible. Amen. From the Lord. We want, we want our relationships to, to, to reflect Jesus. 
In a minute, we're going to sing that same last song. So worship song like that. So four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship to God, and the other six are all are all about relationships. So forgive, encourage, and serve. You know that's what our call is as a church too. To forgive, to serve, to encourage. Amen. Lift each other up. Be be the kind of person in your relationship. I, I always say this that when you get around somebody, they want to be a better person because they're around you. Don't you want to make that impact on some people? Listen, I know that there are days we just want to stay in bed and cover up and not get out. There's days we don't even want to get out of bed. That's that's flesh, that's that's normal, but listen, you can't be that way every day. You got to get up, got to get out of bed, you got to go. But what would happen if we'd wake up in the morning and say, Lord, today, and mean it, every person I come into contact, to the best of my ability, help me to rub off on them so that when I leave them, I feel better about myself and I feel better about this world and I want to make a difference in other people's lives. Wouldn't that be awesome if we would do that, if we would have that effect on people and not the opposite? How horrible is it to walk away from somebody and think, man, I had a good day till today. We don't want to be that. Amen. We want to be that person that makes them want to be better about themselves and want to know the Lord that's in us. Amen. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this Wednesday night attendance. Thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, we cannot get away from relationships. We cannot get away from doing things your way. If we want your blessings, if we want your your, your power, if we want your love. You just said this, you just simply said this, if you love me, obey my commandments. And Lord, your 10 commandments are all relationship related. But the number one one is that we would love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. If we would get up in the morning and look in the mirror and work on ourselves and say, God, I I worship you this morning. I thank you for working on me this morning. I thank you for helping me humble myself. I thank you for lining my words up with your word, my actions up with your word, my thoughts up with your word. Lord, that my my relationships would be godly. Lord, that I would have a diligence, that I would have a perseverance, that I would have self-control. Lord, that I would experience through knowledge, God, who you truly are. Lord, that's, that's our desire tonight, that we would forgive, that we would be swift to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Lord, I have no doubt that every single person in here tonight, that is their desire. That we all mess up, we all fail, we, we don't do it the way we want to, but it's our desire. We want to live for you. We want to glorify you with our lives. Help us tonight, Father. Help us to contend. Help us to fight. Help us to persevere. Help us to be unselfish in our relationships. We want our relationships in this church to be strong. We want our friendships to be strong. We want our marriages to be strong. We want our our families to be strong, God. We want our kids to grow up, Lord, knowing the strength of godly relationships. Help us to be the example, Father, because there's so much bad example in this world today that we look at and see. But, Lord, we need this church to be lights in this dark world, Father. 
tonight as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we thank you, Lord, for your salvation. We thank you that you came and died on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, that we're a church tonight that exists by the grace of God. And we thank you for this building that we have that we can come into and worship together with others and work on these relationships. Learn how to forgive because you forgave. Learn how to love because you loved. Learn how to be kind because you were kind, Father. Lord, Lord, learn how to have self-control and not always do what we feel like doing because, Lord, our flesh is strong sometimes. Help us to put that flesh behind and help us to live for you and be thankful for that cross. Thank you for that blood that you shed on the cross for us because tonight, God, it is your will for us to have good, healthy, biblical relationships. Tonight, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you can say a prayer. Jesus can come in. You can be born again. And you can know he's your Lord and Savior tonight. If you're here and that's you and you don't know him, just quickly lift up your hand. and Say, pray for me tonight. I want to know. I want to know without a doubt that I'm saved tonight. Amen. Tonight, our relationships are only as good as our love for Jesus. His presence is here. His, his power is here. His love is here. His peace is here tonight. As we know Jesus Christ tonight, as we know the Lord on this Wednesday night, church, we, God wants us to build this church. He wants us to get people saved. He wants people to know the Lord like we know the Lord. But we have to strengthen our relationships. And it starts with our relationship with God. Amen. You're smart to be here tonight on a Wednesday night. You're smart to say, you know what, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to go and I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to learn something that's going to help me stay strong because there's a lot of days between Sundays. There's a lot of days that we have to wake up and face a real world and real temptations and, and, and bad attitudes at work and, and traffic anger on the, on the roads and, and traffic jams and, and situations that are out of our control. But Lord, it's our relationship with you keeps us right tonight amen we're going to sing that song that we sang as the last worship one tonight let's let's come to the altar tonight and just worship for a few minutes and let's just thank the lord because he is so worthy to be praised let's just let's just take a few minutes and worship god amen as we sing this song the one we sang at the end of worship tonight let's put the words up there if we can and let's just worship him and thank him tonight for who he is and just as you're standing here and as you're praying at the altar, say, Lord, help me with my relationships because it is all about glorifying you with my relationships. Who is this King of glory? Just think about Jesus tonight. Beautiful and matchless one. Who is this King so holy. Who is this king so holy? Every knee will bow at his throne. Every knee will bow at his throne. Jesus.